Osiris. Hi, this is Lucas Nelson with Promise of the Real, and the podcast you're listening to is part of the Osiris Network. Osiris is creating a community that connects people like you with podcasts and live experiences about artists and topics you love. Sign up for the newsletter at OsirisPod.com to stay in the loop. to episode 108 of the Bluest Tape. I'm Harvey Couch. Uh, and I'm Jeff Kolath. Welcome into episode 108 of the Bluest Tape. Did I already say that? You did. Man, I am seriously rusty. It's been a minute. It's been a while, I feel like, since we've done a show. It's uh, that and you're distracted because of your lack of distractions. <laughs> you're distracted by your lack of distractions at the moment. That's right. All the silence and peace in my house. Uh... The, yeah, put the family on the road this morning. They're on their way up to see the in-laws. So yeah, it is uh, it is definite, deafeningly quiet here at the uh, at the old homestead. But um, yeah, thanks everybody for joining us uh, as we record this. Uh, it's Sunday night, um, and hoping that we'll get this up in the next uh, day. But because uh, I don't have all the distractions and. Um, but it is kind of funny, you know, it speaks to uh, what, what we like to do, and that is uh, talk about old, old panic while new panic is, you know, not, <laughs> it is it is on YouTube right now and we're not watching it. And we're doing a podcast about uh, like the you know 90s era panic instead. So it's very on brand for us, I think. Super, super on brand. If uh, um, I know we don't, uh, we don't do this as often as we used to. But uh, I do think that we are, we're authentic, if nothing else. What do you think about? I was thinking, uh, you know, I listened to the uh, the thirty six from the vault uh, podcast on the on the Osiris Network. They do like break down Dick's picks, and um, they took they took like a season break after like twelve episodes, I think, and they okay. took like two two or three months off. Wow. Maybe that's maybe we need a maybe we need, just need a hiatus. Like we're yeah. we're just we're dragging a little bit too much, and we need. I don't, to, I don't think we've been doing this that often to need a hiatus, do we? <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying we need to get back up to speed, and then we can take a break. Well, considering the way it used to be, which was we were trying to do this like once a week. We did it. We did it weekly for a while, which like is several re- several months. Retrospect, yeah. kind of insane. Yeah. Uh, um. But uh, but no, I think we could we could up our game a little bit more and then pull back. Um, okay. You know, but yes, there's a lot of uh, shows going on because um, they don't have content right now. Uh, one of the 90 Day Fiancés is uh, splitting. They're splitting their season in half, and uh, you know, I get it. It's just you gotta uh-huh. you gotta make you gotta it stretch last. Stretch it out. You gotta stretch squeeze every 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 drip out of that rock. Yeah, isn't that gonna um, be any new TV this fall? So, no, nope. Yep, I know. So, uh, but so like, although there is college football, apparently, um, <laughs> Ma- uh, Memphis played. Did they play this weekend? Right? They played they uh, Saturday night. They beat Arkansas State handily. Mm-hmm. So, okay, that was good. Gen- 
And um, so I guess the, are there real games next weekend? Mm, no, SEC or is that the week start for uh, to last weekend in September? I think. Okay. NFL starts next weekend. I think. Yes, right? NFL starts. Okay. Have you uh, did fantasy draft yet? Yeah, did a fantasy draft. Um, I never have any confidence because I just don't. You know, <laughs> I'd I'd be picking like you know Peyton Manning and Barry Sanders if I could if they were in there. Sure. I just don't know any better. So yeah. Um, anyway, I feel uh, feel old sometimes, um, but. Uh, Anyway, speaking of old, our old friend, uh, Sam Holt, is joining us on the show today. Did you know that? I did. You told me just before we started recording. Yeah. So um, Sam reached out and said he wanted to – we had been talking for a while about getting about doing something and just never never worked out with schedules. And then um, when – you know, when we all learned about Todd Nance's passing, I think he, that was an impetus for him. He wanted to talk a little bit about Todd and play some music that was uh, near and dear to him, you know, with regards to Todd. So uh, he was kind enough to spend some time, talk about, you know, some of his history and and Todd's history. And it was really, uh, it was a good, good conversation. So um, good. So we've got that and he picked out some music, which is always fantastic and um so uh i'm excited to bring that to the people um but uh what you know here here we are you know it, it struck me watching uh the last weekend's uh last sunday's um never miss a sunday show which was a new year's 2001 um show and watching that vic chestnut set which is fantastic and realizing that Mike and Vic and Todd are all not with us and that, you know, um, I guess almost half of the people on that stage um, are gone. And not to mention, you know, Gary and Wayne and all the, you know, other folks closer to the band. Sure. And um, so it was, that was kind of a bummer. And also, um, yeah, it felt like, I don't know, even though the, you know, Todd wasn't in the band anymore, I guess, um, man, it really, it hit me way. I mean, it hit me really hard when, when I learned the news and, and then like, as I listened to, and then watched, you know, as they, you know, the, the videos that they were playing, um, it, you know, it even, I think resonated more about how, much of force he was in the sound that, you know, that made me love the band. Like, you know, they're all fantastic. And it was the, um, it was the combination, you know, it was the six headed monster, right. That's what makes them different. But man, it, I ever just, it all, I feel like it just all comes down to Todd and Mike were like the driving force. They were the sound. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And we had talked, we'd sort of talked about how Todd was Mike's drummer and Dwayne is Jimmy's drummer. And, and, uh, you know, it just became pretty clear, obviously when Todd was having some, some problems, um, Mm -hmm. and, you know, did what he needed to do and came back and then, and then was gone. But I feel like, um, the band, uh, you know, just, I think kind of turned a corner and started a new era. 
Yeah. And I think it was one of those things where, you know, it's just maybe it was neat. Another, another shift was needed after the big shift, you know, from 18 right. years ago. Um, yeah. And then, but yeah, I mean, you're, you're right. I mean, it's, it was, it's, I've been in, I've enjoyed watching these old, old, it's so funny to call them old, but these old, uh, videos of of these shows from you know the 94 show um the 99 oak mountain and this last one too i just saw those little things and then hallmark and but i all the little hallmarks and the reasons why we both started to like this band but i think you're right it was like the two things that just jumped out at me were were your jb through the years and <laughs> and, and just and, and just how much like all the little things, right? Backwards hat, and then obviously the Tushan show, which was hilarious. But yeah. um, you know, all those, all those little things. But just how much I miss him, like wandering around the stage and wandering over to mm. Mike, and like just yeah. being so into it and being, you know, you could just tell when he was engaged to JB, right? Yeah, um, and he was just doing his thing and getting into it, right? Yeah, and uh, and uh, with uh, man, seeing seeing him, and I guess you know clean shaven on a new year yeah. show <laughs> that was that and, was a little and I sort of like, yeah right and i feel like maybe that was a thing like that he like i almost felt like he like got cleaned up for the holidays you know like he'd been on the road all year and he comes home and like shaves and you know gets gets all cleaned up i feel like new year's he's normally clean shaven like i feel like that's a thing so that was funny and then you know, shaves his beard and puts on his good dark jeans Right. Yeah. No. Yeah. His dress jeans and uh, and a and a non non flannel button down. You know. <laughs> so uh, it was. Yeah. That was pretty interesting to see. And so uh, Rachel was like, "Man, he looks so young." And I was like, "Well, you know, I mean, I think you're so used to seeing him with the beard, like having you know, baby. He's a little more baby face, right?" But then I started thinking about the fact that, like, I mean, he is he was like in his late thirties yeah. at that show. Like that's freaking crazy, man. Like that's just to think about, um, yeah, like how long ago that was. And yeah. So, um, the other thing I noticed, we, we mentioned the, uh, the, this, the fashion style stylings of the, the, uh, the fan base back in 94. And mm -hmm. I definitely picked up some interesting themes in the O one show shows too. <laughs> it was like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, a lot of khaki, a lot of khaki <laughs> pants, and <laughs> it was New Year's logo, uh, logo ripoff T-shirts. Oh yes, oh yes. Um, but no, I was the other. The other thing that stood out from the uh, from the videos were definitely how locked in uh, Todd and Mike were, and you know I think that was the that was always the thing because they that's what drove either a Todd fill or a Todd change or whatever might would lead to something else. But it was Mike, the one that Mike was the one that could always take them over the top with Jojo and uh, Todd's Todd's ability to drive that and to push that and to hang with them too. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like that was, was, and it was, well, almost it was like, pretty good. Cause you gotta be, I mean, when they're at, when Mike and Jojo were on, on, um, took, took yeah, some, to be able to it, keep it up, some work. Right. Dead, yeah, and follow and follow, but also, but then you know, it's not a cliche. Be willing to follow, but also don't be afraid to lead. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but like it is, you know, 
making it sound right. You know what I mean? Like as they're like wherever, maybe it takes a beat or a phrase to get there, but then it, and then it, but then it locks in and you're like, that's what feels right. Yeah. And that's what sounds right. And that to me is what the, what is just so awesome about seeing that band play. Yeah. And, um, and I don't want to like steal Sam's thunder cause he probably says it way more eloquently than me, but um, he talked about uh, how like, Todd was the only drummer that could play with Mikey. Like the set, he the only one who could make sense of like the songs and the things that he came up with, like the mm. instrument. He was talking about like the instrumentals, like a of D like, like if you, like any other drummer would be like, no, that's not how you play that. Those <laughs> notes. You know what I mean? Like uh-huh. you do it like this, this is the right, you know, yeah. and, but no, Mike just had whatever it was in his head. And Todd was like, okay, I'll make that sound perfect. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it's like, it takes a lot to do that. And, uh, and, and so it's not, uh, it's not flashy, but it's just right. You know what I mean? And I don't know else how else to say that without it sounding like a, a, um, a criticism, but it's not at all. You know what I mean? It's just like, it's the truth, you know, it is, it is the backbone. Yeah. That's, it's a good point. I mean, I think it's, um, you know, he, We've not, I mean, we've criticized every, we've criticized every member of the band. I think we have. I think we have. I think we're equal, equal opportunity uh, criticizers. Um, But I think that jam band drummers oftentimes might get pigeonholed or pushed off to the side for whatever reason. And I think it's partially because I don't know if there's a ton of, except for somebody like Joe Russo or whatever. Um, But it's a, well, I don't know though. I mean, I feel like Fishman gets his due. Well, but Obviously, I, like you know, Carter Beaufort. I mean, I don't know if that's yeah, a jam band, but you know what I mean. Like, I'm I just feel thinking like there of, are guys well, out there that. Well, the way where I was going with it was, um, it's the technical skill I think that sometimes isn't appreciated from this band. Yeah. That's what yeah. I. That's what I was going right. for. Right, right. Um, yeah. But it's one of those things where, like, I've spent. Again, it's a pandemic, so you find yourself doing all kinds of things you would normally do because you can't, you can't do the fun stuff. Um, but like close listening to Allman Brothers shows and trying to figure mm. out like what JMO actually does. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and then sometimes yeah. it'll, it's like, it's really obvious what he does, but other times yeah. it's just super subtle. Um, and that's right. every era, but it's, it's just, but I, I think that's a, but that's just his thing, you know, which is the big powerful rock and roll drummer that plays with his forearms and JMO is all wrists. <laughs> JMO's all wrists and he's in the pocket. Um, yeah, yeah. But I think Todd, the ability to stick with that band as long as they did, as long as he, as long as he did, to play the all the different. Again, Mikey said he played Panic, played Widespread Panic, which he did, and they made every cover song their own. But all the just the different styles and things that they, you know, they they adopted and fast and slow and and. Hard, fast and slow and hard and soft and whatever it might be like he was always able to do it and then you know finally got his chance to take the mic and sing a little bit for the last you know decade and a half or so that he was in the band mm-hmm. and and uh you know not a lot of drummers again it's sort of like fishman is sort of an outside i mean fishman's an outsized personality too but yeah yeah todd, todd i wouldn't say todd nance was an outsized personality at least from <laughs> the fan's perspective those right, behind yeah. the or, scenes. 
Right. Exactly. Like the people in the audience is not, yes, you know, the fans for, um, but you know, the guy with like, the glasses and the ball cap doesn't exactly. Yeah. Um, but yes, yeah, so he, and he sings, you know, a couple of three different songs and he did the thing at new, uh, Halloween 99. And it was like, like what other Todd Nance moment? Like <laughs> truly. Yeah. So I was, yeah, and yeah. I'm sure you and so, talk about this. Bro. Well, and we, I, I kind of, I got him to go down the road about the, like the, his songwriting, um, Mm-hmm. contributions besides just the ones that he sang which was cool there were some that i wasn't aware of so yeah um stick around to, to learn more about that but um okay so i would i mean you know and maybe you don't have one but do you have and i but i do and it's not well i mean it probably won't surprise you but it's not a um you know, it's not a, a monumental moment in the band's history, but I have a Todd Nance memory of like seeing a thing and being like, yes. Um, do you have anything like that? Uh, for, I mean, obviously you saw the very first, you'll be fine ever. What was that like? That I mean, was, were you like, who were you like? Who, I mean, did you realize it immediately that it was Todd singing? I mean, it was definitely like the who is singing and then trying to figure yeah. it out. But I mean, after a minute, right. it was like, there's only, it was like, is it somebody hiding off stage or Process is it Process of elimination. <laughs> yeah. It's like, okay. Well, yeah. I mean, it's like, well, it's, it kind of sounds like Mike, but it's not Mike. And... Yeah. Um, but I remember really digging the song. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I think it's, uh, it was cool. I mean, again, it was a Monday night. Monday night in Ames, Iowa. Like when what, can you picture a better time to let the drummer sing for the first time? <laughs> yeah, that would be it. Middle of a tour, Monday night, Ames. Um but uh but no, I mean I think that song sort of is, you know, made it on to the till the medicine takes record and he had a song on every he had at least one song on every other record he did, or most of the other records, right? He down and um I guess there's what there's four songs, right? Uh, Cynic was I don't know which one that ended up being on. I mean that was in a post that was a later era. I get those all confused. So, um, yeah. But um, so anyway, so so, it'd be the first. You'll be fine. I guess was the one, and then obviously Halloween '99. Halloween '99, and yeah, and I would I listen to that if you. um, I would highly recommend go back and listen to that. Um, I feel like the 99, uh, run gets a little short shrift compared to 98 and 2000. I think it's really good. Um, and, uh, but that, that first set, it's like, I feel like it's almost all like the first set of Halloween in 99 is like almost like all Todd showcase stuff, you know, I mean, it was like traveling light and, um, uh, the leg bone pigeons and I was just like, he's all over all of them. Um, so, so my memory, my like most clear memory of, and it was, it was, yeah. So it was, uh, Johnson city three twenty eight ninety six. the end of the first set. I'm going to pull off the set list just to make sure I don't mess anything up. You would think I have this one memorized by now. Um, so end of the first set, it is uh, proving Big Willie Mammoth proving ground, and like the dissonance jam back into proving ground when he like does the final crash, and I think they had some like strobe that you know they would do like strobe lights like when that was all going happening, mm-hmm. and I remember seeing like 
so clearly like it like flashed on him right as that like one spot hit and i was like clear like saw it so clearly and um that was just a moment right and it was just like oh man that is awesome and i mean i got to, i was not on any like you know uh, i was pretty i was pretty straight you know and so it wasn't just like you know i wasn't seeing other things but it was that one moment was like really um that's like what know, every drummer it's like what every drummer dreams of hearing yeah right that you hit the big crash right as the stroke flashes on your face and the <laughs> crowd sees you and, every, and and then somebody recognizes it and talks about it on a podcast right uh, uh 20, 24 and a half years later <laughs> no i mean i think it's uh you know obviously he had a great uh career with with the band and i hope he was proud of it and i hope you know the i thought the band statement was <clears throat> was great um mm -hmm. super classy obviously there's no reason to i mean i don't know i don't know the whole story so um but i hope that there was a you know minimal animus if if any existed at all yeah. between them yeah. so but it's a you know it's a loss and um to panic family and to the rest of the music community and you know it's just another reminder it's just like you know, jesus these these guys aren't young men anymore <laughs> none no. of you know none of these well none of the bands i listen to i guess in this this world um, right yeah and yeah we're all getting older and you know life is a precious thing so um even if it seems awful like it can uh these days um i think it's important to um you know just keep keep trying to find the the light you know and um, if you hold on to that and bring it and share it with everybody else, and that's <laughs> it's about all we can do at this point, I think. So. I think so too. Um, all right. Anything else before we get into the into the um, chat chat with no. Sam? No, I think we're good. Nothing else to share. Okay. Well, um, it was great. Uh, it's great talking to you, Jeff. It had been a while, and uh, we've got. Um, we have this interview with Sam and then we've got another one and maybe we can even get this one out, you know, in, in the next week or so, since I don't have anything else to do except, you know, work like a normal person and not have to also <laughs> you know, parent, parent and homeschool at the same time. So, um, but, you know, uh, thoughts and prayer, <laughs> prayers to all of us uh, parents out there that are having to do that. Uh, Remote learning. It we is, did a week. We've done a week so far. And, yeah, uh, it was uh, <clears throat> day one. Day one was tough. Uh huh. Uh, for you know, happy our school ended at two thirty, and happy hour started at four. So it was, <laughs> it was uh, uh, necessary. Uh... But it got better by day two, and then by the end of the week, um, it's it's a mix of technology. I mean, it's partially tech. One, it's the whole thing. Like it's just it's dumb. Um, technology issues here and there. The school's internet was down on the first day. The power went out sure. Thursday. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, the te Presley's teacher has been a teacher for 40 years. And, it, like, she's such a pro and is mm -hmm. so earnest anyway um, yeah. that she's really, really, really trying to make it work. But you can tell it's, like, it just has to be so frustrating because she, like, you know, 
kids are always like, Mrs. Albert, I can't find, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And like, if right. she's in the classroom, she can just walk over and like, now it's, sweetie, it's in your binder. And then, you know, as a parent, you're Press trying the home to, button. Yes. Yeah. So as a parent, I'm trying to like, you know, give Presley space because I'm not in school. So with him, so therefore he should do the school on his own, but it's hard to like, you know, he eats lunch before I do. So I make him lunch and then I'm eating lunch and then I'm listening. I'm like, mm -hmm. Oh, come on, buddy. Come on. You can mm -hmm. get that. That's yours. <laughs> but, uh, <clears throat> but yeah, it's been an experience. I, I was hopeful that we might be able to knock this back, but man, it's going to be, it's going to be a long road to hoe, I think, here in Memphis. Maybe not in other districts, but here in Memphis for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you just, you know, I don't see it getting better anytime soon. Um, so keep wearing a mask, people. Um, please, be please smart do. out there. Yeah, because I'd like to have football and school. So do what you can do. Yes. Um, and, uh, and man, they're, they're hardcore up north. Like when we were going up to Connecticut, I mean, Kentucky is a hot spot, even though, you know, we're, we're not crazy out of control here, but bad enough Connecticut, you do a, you get a two week quarantine when you show up first oh, day. Wow. Um, and then, I mean, Rachel's mom was like, basically you don't see anyone not wearing a mask anywhere. Like you go you're hiking in the woods and people are wearing masks. Um, there's just not any question. Yeah. And you can see their numbers. So anyway, um, all right. Well, Jeff, great talking to you. Uh, yeah. Everybody, thanks up. for joining and listening. And um, we'll, uh, we'll be back hopefully soon. But uh, in the meantime, uh, check out uh, this really good conversation with Sam Holt and then uh, some pretty awesome music too. So uh, we'll, we'll talk soon. See you, Jeff. See ya. All right, I'm joined now by friend of the podcast, Sam Holt. Sam, how are things? Things are things are as things they are. are. I can't. I feel Thanks. like I can't even. Like, you can't even ask that question for small talk anymore. It's just. Oh, how's you know. it going? Well, how much? You know, how how deep you want to go? So uh, I do want to say, like, uh, I mean, all the all the stuff being all the stuff, and everybody's got their own challenges. Yes, um, and. One of the things that I, you know, that I talk about that, you know, the things that I love doing in, you know, the things that bring me joy are like uh, going to eat at a nice restaurant and uh, like go to sporting events and go see live music. And so yeah. it, it kind of sucks that I can't do any of those things right now. Right. And and in a lot of ways, I feel like, you know, going to see live music is, is uh, you know, for a lot of people, it's therapeutic. And so when you're not feeling so great, and not being able to have that outlet uh, kind of stinks. So I say all that telling you, you know, thanks for you doing your part to keep people entertained at least once a week uh, with your live stream stuff. And I know that um, anyway, it, it, I know that folks get a lot of joy out of that. So I just wanted to commend you for. Well, for I'm glad. I'm glad it brings me joy. It, it's something that I look forward to. I think I've done it every, every week since yeah. March, whatever, six, whatever that was 20 something that all this, that we shut down. Um, so I really look forward to it. 
I I did one on eight ten, which was the Monday yeah. of Mike's passing. Um, last week was pretty emotional and raw due to Todd Nance's passing last week. Uh, but it is therapeutic for me. I lose myself in it, and hopefully, I get feedback that people also are getting something out of it and anything that can lead to something positive through music I'm all for so I I'm just a you know I'm a vehicle for it I feel fortunate I have the capability to get on plug in my guitar and play and and try to lose myself if I can if I can lose myself then I'm doing something right if I can not be conscious of myself good things can happen and i know i've heard from some people through emails and comments that it has been therapeutic for them too and i'm gonna keep doing it as long as as long as it takes i don't know i'm I'm here i'm glad glad to hear it man i mean there are some things that are worth the effort and i know that that's kind of you know making that time every week is an effort and so uh you know in spite of all the the stuff for yeah makes it good for you it's still you know i think we gotta recognize that that's that's you know luckily luckily my wife andrea can can help with our daughter during that time and she Mm -hmm. she enjoys it too yeah. Andrea, my wife, and my daughter does sometimes too. She's made my daughter's made a couple little appearances running in and in and stuff. So they know it's a thing. So um, that, that yeah, happens. so that's that's Sundays at five thirty. Five thirty right? Eastern time on my Facebook page, which is facebook.com uh Sam Holt Music. I try not to look at Facebook unless it's during the stream. Yeah. So I can see if people want to hear songs and stuff because right. I can't can't really get bogged down in it. Luckily, I don't. No, I never got call. into Facebook. Thank God yeah. Yeah, for I think me. You made the right call. No, I, I, for most <laughs> for most people, for sure. So um, I did see that Neil Young has done it. Sorry to go sideways no. for a second, but Neil no. Young has. Uh, I I sign up for his archive newsletter, and he has done a thing where. He's making it so you can no longer sign into his archive page or website with face with a Facebook or Twitter login. Hmm. And I commend him for that. That guy puts his money where his mouth is. I read his statement. It's going to cost him like 20,000 bucks to do that. Yeah. To like stand up his own solution and not have to use them. Yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine like, oh, I don't want to use this login method anymore. Okay. Well, here's how much it's going to cost because we got to do all this other stuff. I mean, it's just crazy, but. God bless Neil Young. Um, so I feel like, and, and maybe it's just me. Um, is there is there a story um, with the socks? Is the socks like? <laughs> is, there, is there a theme? Is this too? Is too? It's like inside baseball. Like I'm not supposed to know, right. or it's unspoken thing. If, if we don't, I'll cut it. I'll cut this question if you don't want to answer. Uh, I think there's, I think there's more to gain by keeping it a mystery. Okay. Uh, no, I mean that's cool. I, yeah. I apologize. I apologize for. <laughs> It's making you have to answer that question. No big deal, but we need to move on. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, 
So you picked out some some music for us to play uh, tonight, and you're going to join us again soon, right? You're guaranteeing a second appearance. Yes, I. When you when we talked about this, I started coming up with songs I wanted to play that would highlight Todd or feature Todd or bring memories of Todd or showcase him. Uh, personal memories for me as well, and the list got long enough to where we decided we should split this into two shows. Yeah. yeah so, right so call. yeah, right. Um, so we're going to do, we're going to do a couple segments tonight, but um, I, you know, I, I, I don't know how to ask, you know, and I don't, you know, I'm not, I don't want you to like give a eulogy, but like maybe um, if you want to share either a memory or like sort of what, um, I don't know you know riff a little bit on 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 todd nance for me yeah it's it's still pretty raw man uh, we we were friends uh when i started working for panic in 2000 we became friends uh as i did with all the guys in different ways and but todd was we were both from chattanooga hmm. uh and we had we bonded over that and then in the past few years, we had played together, you know, when I played with Panic and stuff, and we always, like, got so excited, and we would talk about it. And, and then, you know, in the in the past couple years, uh, when he was no longer playing with Panic, we started playing together more and more. We did some Todd Nansen Friends shows. We did the Interstellar Boys thing. And we became really really good friends we spent time together drove in a van together drove and you know i drove him he and i rode in the car together to several shows spent a bunch of time and he was he was a great person he mm-hmm. was a person that would give you anything he had if it would help you if you needed it he was unassuming down to earth he he what made him happiest and was things like how did the bar do tonight oh the bar killed it we the the bartenders are going to make their rent off tonight Mm -hmm. that's the stuff he loved he was just he was a i'm not trying to be hokey but he was a man of the people you know he he became a rock star obviously reluctantly and uh but success found them and he, I don't think he changed. Uh, people catered to him. He, he could get pretty much anything he wanted. Um, and what it, it seemed like he, you know, and I don't, you know, it's hard for me to know as, as not, you know, not being close enough, but like, seemed like he really like enjoyed like playing music. You know what I mean? Like, you know, maybe oh, for sure you know, like that was sort of the thing and you get kind of geek out on it. Maybe did that, yeah. did I imagine in that, or that sort of seemed like that was his thing. Yeah. I think maybe the most comfortable place for him in the world was behind a drum kit. Mm. Uh, he spent so much time behind a drum kit and he drove, drove that machine, drove the panic yeah. machine. You listen to some of those, some of those before they kept set before they had set lists written, which they started making set lists in 95 
uh, you listen to some of those 93, 94, 92, whatever shows, and he starts he starts a lot Stand of songs. every song. <laughs> yeah, he'll just start them. And, you know, they fully faith and follow him, and he would guide them in and out of, in and out of transitions, uh, which reminds me, Roger, if you, anyone knows who Roger Hawkins is, he was a drummer in the Muscle Shoals rhythm section, played on numerous huge soul rock and roll hits in the 60s and 70s. <clears throat> but they recorded a couple albums with Johnny Sandlin um, in Muscle Shoals. And I heard, uh, read and heard from Todd that Roger Hawkins was, you know, would hang around the studio. And he, he called Todd the transition magician. Mm-hmm. And coming from Roger Hawkins, that is a huge compliment. Mm-hmm. And I think Todd, I don't know if he's underrated because panic is underrated unless you're a fan then they're highly rated right. so i don't know who who would be underrated or not rated high enough but mm-hmm. he was uh he he loved to play he he uh he was excited to play he he had a great bullshit detector he could tell when the music was not sincere or not authentic and not coming from the right place and i think i think that is part of what led to their panic success overall because they were up there doing it for a real reason. They weren't up there for money. They weren't up there to get chicks. They weren't up there to get famous. They were up there to see what was going to happen and try to try to play their songs the best they could and fully committed to that. And, you know, you, you, you play, open your heart up like that and people can see that people can feel that people can read that. And that's what keeps people coming back and grew the band. Yeah. That, that's what that I mean. The Colonel, the, Colonel always, the Colonel always talked about like playing with intention, right? And yeah. that's what you just described basically, uh, you know? Yeah. Um, they believed, they believed in it. You know, they knew they had something and, and they wanted to play as much as they could to see what would happen and believed in each other's songs. He was a great really really great songwriter that contributed tons yeah. to them yeah yeah i want to i definitely want to you know pick your brain on that a little bit so yeah do you, on the on the like you talked about them not having set lists before 95 like when they were doing um and i mean you you weren't there but I, maybe i can just ask you to either you know guess or you know educated guesses on yeah how are those you know how are those segues and jams like structured back then was that i mean i I sort of think that like todd's like half of that right and maybe dave is i mean i guess they're all doing their part but like yeah you know if it's not planned or or maybe it is i mean do you get the sense that some of that stuff was like oh you know in the in the locker room before the show like let's you know let's try this here i would think maybe the first couple tunes or maybe some of it was self-evident chili water was always if it hadn't been played yet and it was getting near the end of the show, there's a chance it's going to get played. Cause that's, that's a huge, huge song, but, but I think like, they would say, talk. Go ahead. Sorry. Well, I was going to say like, like, you know, there's uh, one of the things that you, that we're going to play. I don't know if it's uh, no, it's, it's the next episode that you picked out where it's like Hatfield arrow jam. It's like, so when, who decides the jam? Is that like Todd stops, like keeps playing after the song is over, you know, basically like, somebody kicks into that thing at the, in the last, you know, sort of phrase. And it's like, okay, we're, we're going here now. 
you know? I think I think that that definitely happened. Um, mm-hmm. I think it was dependent on the situation, but Todd definitely would start a drum beat. Um, mm-hmm. I remember the first time I ever played with him, right after Michael passed away, which was at uh, at Fiddler's Green in Denver. Mm-hmm. We played a driving song. Oh, what was it? Sleepy Monkey, and then before I think it was either after Driving Song or after Sleepy Monkey, he just started a drum beat and taught and something totally f- different than what we were doing. And Dave followed immediately. Like obviously they had been doing for 15 years at that point. And I remember being so excited by that. Oh, nice. Yeah. And right. uh, I'm I, sure. but I think Todd drove a lot of that. I think Dave would drive it too with key changes uh, and, and things like that. But I think they were so tuned into each other that when it, the things would present themselves, they would be able to realize it and jump on it. Uh, even if it was a riff or a key change or a, a beat, a drum beat change, uh, they were, they were definitely aware. What, um, what do you think? You, you talked about the songwriting and I mean, uh, obviously, relatively later in their career he started you know singing his own songs but um he i he, he was a pretty large part in the collaborative writing early right i mean i gotta think yeah him and, him and mike were driving a lot of the musical pieces right? yeah or, i mean well I, I, know I know that i know that some of the some of the stuff mike will come up with i don't think many drummers could make sense of it and i'm sure you've got have guys have covered this before and it, if you are a Panic fan and have dug at all, you probably know this, but things like AFD, BFD, Eliza's, or LA, uh, I don't think any other drummer could normalize that stuff mm-hmm. or internalize mm-hmm. it and make it like danceable or make it <laughs> make it something that people would go, "What? What the hell is this? Like, I'm not. I'm not, why I paid my four dollars for this." So I think he could he could take those songs and and turn them into something resembling songs resembling songs rock and roll Mike would skip beats Mike would add beats Mike would play stuff that didn't make sense if you if you looked at it on its face and then Todd would come in A of D skips a beat there's I guarantee you most drummers would be like what well, that's not right you got to do this but he him and Mike learned how to play together literally played in a band together in high school and learned how to play rock and roll together. So I heard, I heard Todd say that anything Mike ever played, he, he remembered it and could, could play it. Um, and then later he started, I know he wrote the, the main riff, the chords to diner, the, the beginning or whatever that Mm. starts the song. He wrote that. Um, I know he wrote blue Indian, uh, he wrote the songs he sang. He wrote one that I saw come from nowhere out of his head to record was from the cradle on the earth to America album that in the Bahamas, they, they were searching for a song to, <clears throat> excuse me, searching for songs to, to round out the album. And they're like, Todd, you got anything? And he's like, yeah, I, it's like, I don't know. I'll, I'll play it for you. 
and uh, he played it, and there wasn't a lot of confidence at the beginning hmm. in it. Uh, I know a couple of the guys were even like, "We can't. This this isn't going to work. This sounds like some bullshit rock and roll like wannabe song." I think I, those words were uttered, but and it turned out to be, I think, one of the best songs on that album. Maybe one of the best songs that they did after Michael passed. And yeah. Uh, really cool tune. One of my, probably my favorite on that record by far. So the other the other song on that record that I think is, um, well, I mean, I, I generally think that that record is probably better than maybe most people give it credit for in hindsight. Yeah. But um, the, there's there's a video. I, I, I'm pretty sure it's you at, at like in with Todd and Jerry Joseph, like in a neighborhood in Denver on like a flatbed or something on some random stage where y'all play second skin. Is that, am I imagining that? Is that a thing? I know, I know of that. That's somebody's mind. I, I wasn't there, Okay. but, but I know what you're talking about. I'm pretty sure it's this guy named David Fowler. Uh, his, he has these parties that have grown from his backyard to bigger and bigger. Um, but that's, if, if I'm thinking what you're thinking, then yes, yeah. that was, those are some good friends of mine. I think Michael McClure Spanky, uh, who I've played with okay. a bunch and right. Jerry and Todd. Yeah. And cause that was like, that Eric was Martinez. Was, sorry. Right. Eric Martinez was there too. And Tori Pater. Okay. Sorry. So I don't know. I, I guess it was like everybody, but you, and that's why I was maybe placed you there. Yeah. Like all the same criminals, but right. um, there were, it was like, it wasn't like a totally different arrangement, but it, it started with, with Todd and then, mm-hmm. Like having Jerry there, I don't know. I just had like a, a, it was like a newfound. I always enjoyed the song, but like that time, even I was like, "Damn, this song fucking gets it, man." Yeah. And, um, so that's that was just another one because that and is that a Jerry? That's a Jerry song, right? That's a Jerry that? song. Okay. Yeah, he brought that in. Yeah. And um, so it's just like another, you know, from that era, right? That that was just sort of an interesting yeah. moment in time for the band. I think they were happy to get songs from jerry at that point because i i wouldn't say that he had run out of ideas but they they were happy to get songs from jerry <laughs> right yeah no i got you so um oh, another song while it's in my head uh sparks yeah. fly on ball yeah like ball is to me is this is i like that record so give I, me are you gonna give me a hot take on sparks fly because i would love to hear that okay if they could redo Caddyshack two and do the and do the end credits, that should be the song that's over the end credits. I always picture like the little. I know this is terrible, but I always picture the the little gopher dancing around over the chorus of Sparks Fly. <laughs> uh, that's my that might... take on it. But I love that song because it's like a three minute pop song, which is yeah. so different than a lot of things going on for them. I mean, I don't. Do they have any other three-minute pop songs in their repertoire? I Torch mean, song, okay, like One Arm Steve, maybe. Yeah, yeah wondering, wondering a little bit. Yeah, I mean, that might be the list right there. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, that's interesting. Some I, I need to find somebody that can do that. Put that, put that music under the end credits yeah. to Caddyshack. I would love to see is. that. <laughs> um. Okay, so what, any other is that? I mean, I don't want you. You don't have to go through the whole laundry list, um, but any, counting, anything else stick in your mind that, that counting train of, cars? Yeah, yeah, you definitely got that feel. Um, coach. Uh, so, did you get a sense that he um, felt uh, like he had to step 
step up in the songwriting department after after Mike pass? I don't. I mean, I don't I don't know, it's kind of hard to say, but it's, it definitely yeah. seems like a lot more of that stuff came bubbling up after that. Well, I think he had stuff and just probably didn't think it was the strongest material. I'm guessing on that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, so that's that's the thing that's always struck me about the. I mean, it took uh, 11, 11 years before he sang a song for the band. Right. Um, you know, in concert, it, it just it seems like such a. I don't know. It, yeah. It, it was just, it took him away. I mean, he had songs before that, right? And it was just maybe feeling, feeling confident enough that it's a, that it's a yeah. worthy, worthy for the rest repertoire. I feel like there was something, a cover that he sang early on, but I can't remember mm. what it was. I would have okay. to, maybe for next time I could. Yeah. See if on I could that. Jog my memory on that. Um, okay. So, um, what was the first song he sang for the band then? It, I don't was, even... you'll, it was You'll Be you'll Fine. You'll Be Fine? Okay. And, and that was uh, September... 97? Yeah, September 9, 15, 97, Ames, okay. Iowa. Okay. Okay. Um, and then, uh, yeah, and then Down was after that in like 99, 2000, early okay. 2000, maybe spring 2000. Okay. So, um, yeah, I just remember, I mean, I think the first time... I guess I'd heard it before I saw it, but I mean, I just almost wonder like what the crowd reaction was the first time he sang a song. I'm just like, who, what yeah. is happening? <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. Probably that. What is happening? Yeah. Um, okay. So we've got two, two segments of music and um, to play tonight. And so I, I want to play the first piece and we can come back and talk a little bit about it. But um, so this is all from, from one show, uh, was it a was it billed as Jerry Joseph and Friends? It was billed as Jerry Joseph and Friends. Um, okay, and Jerry was in town making an album at David Barbie's studio called Conscious Contact, mm-hmm. and Dave Schools was producing the album. And this was right before Jerry was going to go back to Portland. Uh, so it was billed as Jerry Joseph and Friends with Todd. And then there was a bunch of guests that came in and out through the night. Michael Hauser played the last, I think what we'll hear is the whole time Mike played. Um, and it was right after uh, 9-11, four days after 9-11. So it was kind of a charged, emotionally charged night. And it was a great musical night. It was a night that I'll never forget. And Todd was up there just killing it. Jerry, you know, backing Jerry up with, and then Junior. I don't. I I hope this doesn't turn too many people off. I know Jerry can be a polarizing figure, but I will say that Todd and Mike loved him so much and loved his music so much. Uh, and this is a great example of of, Jer- of Todd backing him up with Mike. So, um, so that album, which is a great album, I don't know if it's on streaming services or not. Um, really. I mean, I, I have it, so I can't tell yeah. like if it's in my library or if it's on oh, okay. Apple Music. But, um, but it has a bunch of guests on it. Like I feel like almost every track has got like an yeah personality on it. Um, I haven't you know, listened to it in a long time. Uh, I know Mike's on uh, Fastest Horse. Yeah, but yeah. There, there, there are several. John, guests on John it. Neff and Randall yeah. Bramlett and, and Vic's yes. on the track with John Keane and yes. Um, 
So it's got some, it's got some good tunes on it too. Um, so did you have a sense going into that, that like that most of those folks were going to, I mean, did you know the, the, uh, the, the, uh, what's the, the word, the program for the night or, uh, going in, or did you just sort of have a sense and hope for the best or, well, I knew, well, Mike, I think Mike called me and said, Hey, bring my rig and my guitars down to the 40 wide. I'll be here, you know, load. Okay. Get everything yeah, set up. I mean, I'm play with Jerry. Mike's not the guy. I mean, like Mike's not like a, just bringing his guitar in his back seat and showing up to play, right? I mean, no, no, he had he he needed his his rig set up, right? Right. Uh, he he could do it, but by yeah, that point, no, oh one, right. this is oh one. Um, yeah. He, I was. Yeah, I don't mean I that. Was, I, was like, I don't mean do that. that, and I don't mean that as an insult at all. In fact, I think that's like an awesome compliment that he's like his sound is yeah. so refined that it's like don't yeah. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna mess around with anything else. Hey, uh, here's some. While I'm thinking about it, I'd never think about this, but. There was a show in Birmingham at Oak Mountain. I guess it was part of the Traveling Light Tour with G-Love and Mule and Galactic mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that Mike sat in with G-Love for this song called Tell Me How You're Living. And I've always wanted to hear that because he had like a – Mike he had a part worked out. Like he obviously had listened to the song, played it because he was playing a part, like a really cool part to complement the song. If anyone has that, I would love to hear that. Who knows wow. if that'll ever surface, but anyway. Huh. So um, it looks like, so it was, it was 724.98. Yes. The second night of the two nights that that, uh, that Ted's got it noted here on Everyday Companion that, okay. that Mike Mike appeared with G-Love. So. Yeah, if, if anyone's got a recording of that, I would love to hmm. hear that. Yeah. Uh, so. Um, Sorry to go sidetracked. Man, that's all we do here on the show is get sucked. Okay, out, good. That's okay. all good. We fit right in. All right. Um, so okay, so it's um, it's four nights after nine eleven. So obviously, pretty intense. Like I guess the band's on a break, you know, between summer and and fall tour. Um, we were we were supposed to go to Europe. Oh, that's right. I totally yeah. forgot about that. Yeah. In fact, yeah, uh, a buddy of mine has tickets because they were going to go, and you yeah. Know, they're not like huge, super rich people. So it was like a big uh, deal that they were going to yeah. go and it got canceled. Um, yeah. Okay. So I just totally forgot about that. So then they go, the, the first shows after this are the Greek theater in 01. In yes. October. Yes. So, um, okay. So um, did, is there anything you need that like you want to prepare people for, like for them to have in their, in their head while they're, you know, while they're well, listening? Well, let's see. Them? I'm looking at the songs. So the first song is Fastest Horse, which all of these are Jerry songs, Jerry Joseph. Uh, Fastest Horse, Mike played it, played on it on the record, and it was on the album that was had just been finished. Uh, it's a it's killer. Hmm. I guess I could say that about all this, but it it's Mike just turns loose and goes goes for it. That's what this song was kind of made for for them to just go at it. And then light is like water, which if you're probably know if you're listening to the show, you probably know what that is. Uh, and then it comes this thing Jerry does called Glory Land, which is just a little couple minute thing. And then into Drive, and then and he steers it into a whole lot of love for a minute, and steers it into Climb to Safety. And and one thing I like to point out that once Drive starts. Todd is a freaking machine. He is a solid rock that does not 
waiver does not falter for like 20 minutes. He is there providing the most perfect backbeat with accents and dynamics. And I would, there's not many drummers in the world that could do what he's doing here. And it was just, it's what he did. That was his purpose. He loved Jerry. He was up there with Mike and he was killing it and making the music the best it could be providing that backbeat and providing that layer of foundation for Jerry to express himself with Mike. And that's the way I see it. Yeah, no. And I had, like I, I said, like I hadn't listened to this in a while, I listened to it tonight while I was taking a walk. And uh-huh. um, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's like, why do Mike and Todd sound so good with Jerry? Like, I, is it just like the, I don't know. I feel like every time it just, it like gets me in my spine, like the, just the, it's like that driving sound. Like you were talking yeah. about Todd, but then like Mike is just so crunchy and loud yeah. and Jerry soaks it all up and like goes on top of it all. I don't know. I, I think Jerry brings brought it, brings it out in him, brought it out in him. Uh, they loved him. They, they played a bunch of shows with him early on. They believed in him. You know, they, I think Todd told me that, you know, Jerry, he, again, he's a polarizing figure. I know a lot of people will probably not listen to this, but whatever. Uh, he's, he runs around the stage. He jumps around. He lights cigarette after, after cigarette and sticks it in his guitar and, talks politics and all that stuff and Todd was like that's that's the only guy that i've ever liked that does that stuff that he and mike ever liked that did that stuff but he struck a nerve with him early on and i think they just you know they loved his songwriting obviously and love and loved him i know one one story if i can get in here uh it mike's what was it it was his birthday party. I think it was either O. I think it was O one. Maybe it was O two. I think it was O two. January of O two. Uh, there was a birthday party that uh, his Michael's Mike's wife threw for him in Athens, and and Jerry came. Like she paid for. I, I'm pretty sure she paid for him to show up and everything. And Mike was floored and blown away that Jerry would be there, and and uh-huh. it was just really cool. He, yeah. You could tell they really had a special thing special bond um and so he i feel like so little women i mean they first hooked up like when panic went out west like 91 or 90 i would think like 90 there's probably shows that we don't know about too uh i know there's a couple shows from September 1990, where Little Women opened for Panic. One was at the Georgia Theater. One was at uh, the Center Stage in Atlanta, and I was there for that one. And I, all I cared about was Panic. Uh, and I was like, "Get this idiot off the stage! He's killing me!" <laughs> I really—that's what I thought. And for a long time, I did not want to hear him. I did not want to see him. Wow! And, and wow. I finally, finally was came around but what, it took what, a while. What, what did it take where where what was the eureka moment for you uh it was central park oh, summer 2000 man that shit's fucking awesome but yeah. oh, wow i can't believe it took that long but yeah man i was one of those snobs that didn't want anyone to sit in with them and i was mm. like i paid my money to hear them not this and 
I was that's, a jerk. That's what the, that's what the fish fans think. And well, I, and I feel like that's totally I get lame. It. I'm like, well, I get if, it. If the band wants to, I know, you know, honor somebody or like, I don't know. I feel like it's the coolest compliment that the band can pay to to an you know to an inspiration of theirs, and yeah, I'm all about it. I, I want to see that happen. I know you 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 are correct, and I agree with you now. But it was it took me a while to get there because, you know, I'm the guy that was show up early with my microphones, get as close as I could, and tell people to be quiet. You know, right. ask people to be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> so I was uh, a real prick. No, no, no. It's just it's funny. Like the the guys that just sit, you know, they're like, I don't stop. You just you threw a beer bottle in the trash can. Can you stop yeah. being like a fucking yeah. drunk here? Like I'm trying to watch the music. Yeah, like, I know. You need to be focused. Yeah. Uh, so okay, so was it was him on stage during that show? And were you you weren't with the were you with a band at that yes. point? Yes, yes, okay. and that's probably All what right. did it because yeah. I just I don't know. There was something that just struck me that night, and right. you could tell how know. much how what a, what an impact they the, he had on the band. Probably. Yeah, I got Seems to see up, it from a different side. Yeah, right. yeah. Huh. Okay. Well, that's cool. Um, all right. So um, let, let's let's play the music, and I, you know, if if you want to skip ahead, then skip ahead, and we'll, we'll talk some more about Jerry Joseph. But I mean, I feel like if you're if you gotten this far, if you're listening to episode one hundred eight yeah. of the Bluest Tape, yeah, and you're listening to to me and Sam talk about you know late nineteen ninety shows, um, you know, you can probably handle this you know pretty badass playing from the show in in 01 so um but we'll come back and then uh, we got some more stuff to play after that too so uh but first this is uh the 40 watt right and yes. uh, um it's from September 15th 2001 a Jerry Joseph and uh friends show and this is the second set i guess and yeah it's most um, probably most of the second most set, of the second set yeah. through and the end so, is Todd are Todd and Mike on all these songs? Yes. Okay. All right. So there's no don't have to think about who's coming in or leaving. There. That's, that's who you're correct. listening. That's who you're listening for right now. So, um, we'll uh, we'll come back and talk to talk about it a little bit. Static 
The song is taken from a short story by Gabriel Garcia Marquez about learning how to navigate light. And if John's uh, out there and wants to come back on pedal steel.
at their core And no many from a distance look familiar I stand unnoticed by these sailors of the Lord And I have read any short story had a sail But he did nothing Baby, but the cold sea Sinking in
to my new home in the sky. How's it going?
your local. Your local fire department is passing around these buckets. And uh, we urge you to donate heavily. They're going to be, I guess they're going to be either passed around or they're going to be over at the, um, over at the bar. And uh, we appreciate it. Thank you. And this last call.
not come here for redemption. I did not come here to play Jesus. I just came looking for love. I always like to think of myself as the kind of person in control. Master of my own universe. But by the time they got me down to the station, by the time they got me down to the station, I was beginning to lose my nerve. You know, I always loved you more than life itself. And I knew in my heart of hearts that you loved me. I could see it in your eyes. I could feel it in your heartbeat. I could smell it in your sweat And I could feel it on the goosebumps of the back of your arms When I ran my fingers down your fine backside, baby You can't hide love like that You cannot hide love like that Not for me It was late at night, we were out on the lake, sitting in the cab of my 1964 Dodge Power Wagon. John Coltrane, a love supreme, and ZZ Top Cabuelo playing on the cassette player. A bottle of Yukon Jack, a case of Pabst Blue Ribbon, and enough methamphetamine and ketamine to kill an army of clowns. We were talking a lot, we were talking a lot, and there was nobody around for miles, there was nobody around for miles, nobody to hear us talking about the future, nobody to hear us laughing, you know I always love the way you giggle when you kiss, nobody to hear us making love like it's the first time, or the last time baby. There was nobody around for miles. Not your mama, not your daddy, not your brothers, your sisters, your sweet baby Jesus, your government. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Thou shalt not take the Lord's name in vain. Thou shalt not covet another man's wife. I did not come here to bear witness. I did not come here to bear testimony. I'm your fucking judge and jury now, baby. I'm fessing up. I'm fessing up. I'm fessing up. chaplain's eyes and I look in your family's eyes I said fuck you baby I made my peace with Jesus I'm fessing up I'm fessing up I'm fessing up I ain't fucking giving up 
on the drums, he's looking for the love. Mikey Hauser on guitar, looking for the love. My name's Jerry Joseph, I'm looking for the love. Thanks to Barbecue and Blood Kid, Dave Barbie. Thanks to the 40 Watt for having us. Thanks everybody here in Athens for making us feel so welcome the past month. God bless you. Look at my love. You can hear they're coming like a train out of control.
right, that was uh, September 15th, 2001 from the uh, 40 Watt, and that was uh, Jerry Joseph and Friends, and um, a lot of a whole lot of love, a whole lot of Todd Nance and Michael Hauser on that on that segment, Sam. Yes, yes, they were they were very present. How loud was it in that place? Like 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 normal loud or like obscenely I, loud? I think it was. I think it. I think it probably was pushing the limits, but not painful. I think it was enjoyable, loud. Uh, the PA in there, I don't know. It's it was probably not the greatest in the world, but it, that night was it was magical. There was a lot of a lot of good things going on in that room, and Chris Raybolt was mixing that night, who was Panic Sound guy from 2001 through I don't know when he left 2009 2010. Good friend of mine. Basically, he's how I got my gig with him. Um, but anyway, he was mixing that night, so he had it pretty dialed. Yeah. Um, so, okay, so we talked about um, after that fall tour of 01, and then um, and then the spring, you know, and so obviously 02 is sort of the last, you know, the last uh, shows with, with Mike. And I, I don't know, have you been, I know you've been playing on Sundays sort of like, the you know you sort of the warm up act for the uh, for the panic stream, but it, have you been watching any of those? Um, I've seen bits and pieces uh, of them as they happen. Uh, last week I saw the very be- I try to watch the very beginning. We do bedtime right around then, and so if I don't start bedtime with Hayden who's six, uh, around eight eight thirty, it will get dragged out. She's a master of of dragging out bedtime and thinking of things to prolong it. So, but I did see the first couple songs, and then I saw the end of the sh- the the last probably like thirty or forty minutes of that of that so show of, of last the most, week of the most recent one. Yeah. So, yes. um, it was uh, so this past week was the four nineteen oh two. Yes, uh, which is right after this from from Walnut Creek, and then. I guess the week before that was uh, Oak Mountain, uh, ninety nine, mm-hmm. and what was interesting about that one, I was watching, and because um, I'm sort of like a, you know, I'm a sort of a tech nerd. Like I, I like to kind of get into like what the, you know, what the, what the sources are on these videos and like yeah. where they came from, and and I was like totally bummed out that like almost the whole first set of that ninety nine show is just like a static like lockdown wide shot from right. the soundboard and uh, right. it, it improved i think like for most of the second set but when i first saw it i was like oh man this kind of sucks and then like in hindsight when i watched it again uh-huh. especially like after todd passed and it was like it's kind of cool to see the whole machine happening and not be at the mercy of like who the direct like what the director thinks is like the yeah. thing that needs to be on screen to like because you normally don't really get to see todd like you know making the changes or like doing yeah. all, all of the work that he does. Yeah. It's not flashy, but it's like, he's, it's all the heavy lifting, you know? And yeah. so it's kind of cool to see it from, from a wider angle. I, I don't know why that struck me when I was watching it, but it did. Yeah. That's, that's a cool perspective. Cause I was definitely kind of, I watched a little bit of that as well. And you know, it's, it is nice to be able to see the whole, the whole six headed monster 
interacting and working together. So that is cool. Yeah. And then the week before that was the third night of Red Rocks from O2, which was another um, Jerry Joseph appearance, right? Or I don't know what the, what the order, but basically I think like two of the last three have been Jerry Joseph. Yeah. Um, which is awesome, <laughs> you know, just because yeah. it's, yeah, I just, I don't know. I think it's an awesome tip. I don't know if it which just kind of worked out that way. I, again, to get inside baseball, like I wonder who picked these shows, if it was just right. like these are the best, you know, these this is the best we got or like they're not good enough to ever like actually release, you know, yeah. to sell, but they're good enough to put on YouTube. And yeah. um, but I think it's pretty cool that it worked out that we got some some Jerry Joseph stuff. And yeah, uh, that that was cool. And that was Mike's last show at Red Rocks, um, as you know. So that was yeah. I know Mike was excited to have him up there. I'm sure Mike was instigate instigated getting him up there for that. Yeah, because he was like you know, and he played at that uh, at the and I don't. <laughs> it's like we do a show about Todd and end up talking about Jerry Joseph yeah. the whole time, but um, but he you know he's sort of intertwined with all their histories yeah. and um, but that the Oak Mountain show in the spring, you know, which I think, I, and I'm gonna I'll ask you this, you know, maybe it's just pure conjecture, but like do you think was there any sense that like there that that show would have been the last one that mike played with the band or that they're you know i mean obviously there's always we'll get you know we'll play as long as we can and we have bonnaroo and summer tour but like where there was there some thought that maybe that was going to be it yeah yeah uh i think so um i remember it, talking- felt, it felt like that i don't i mean i don't yeah. think that's like a, I don't, that shouldn't shock anybody you know what i mean no. anybody that was there i think sort of Got that. Yeah, there, there was a good chance those were going to be his last shows because who know who know who knew mm-hmm. he didn't know, mm-hmm. but he did make the decision to go as long as he could. But I remember talking to him. I don't. I think it was the third day during the day he came in early and we just sat around and shot the shit for a at, while at, at Oak Mountain or at Oak Mountain at Oak Mountain at Oak Mountain, mm-hmm. and uh, he told me that he was gonna try to do the summer tour as much as he could and and it was you know immediate immediate gratification i was like yes all right and then Mm -hmm. he did have his family with him uh Mm -hmm. he had his own bus for that tour and his family was with him Mm -hmm. Uh, but the thing i mean obviously the thing that stuck out to me from that third night of oak mountain was just the cortez the killer yeah you know which is again like you talk about things that are like uh for some reason polarizing but it's like yeah. you know some people don't dig a 20 minute uh cortez with jerry joseph yelling in a lightning storm but some <laughs> of us some of us do like that yeah uh todd loved jerry todd yeah. we played in a, this band called the interstellar boys yeah yeah no, I'm so, i knew i wanted to, i did want to ask you about that a little bit so yeah. i'm glad you brought that up so like can you what was the genesis of that what was the you know how many, did y'all just do like a tour or two or what was the, what was we the history? Did, well, it got started. There was a blood cannon friends in, um, uh, 20, uh, December, 2016, the George theater, Jerry Joseph was part of the, uh, on the bill that night. And Todd was on drums I'm trying to remember who else. There's actually a video of it, but I played way too loud with Jerry and Danny Hutchins and Todd on drums. And I guess John Mills was on bass, who was in barbecue with Todd. And Peter Jackson, who was basically like 
produced that event and was Bloodkin's manager and was also production manager for Widespread Panic from like 96 to 2000 and was also Todd's drum tech. He he was inspired by that and wanted to put something together with Todd. And so he it was his idea to start that. And in 2017, we did. So it was uh, myself, Jerry Joseph, Todd Nance, John Mills on bass, Danny Hutchins and John Neff on steel and guitar. And we were the Interstellar Boys. We did like a week of shows in Colorado and then a week of shows in the South. And I think those were, that was all in July. And then a week of shows in another week of shows in the South in like October. And then that was pretty much it. It was, it was short lived. We had some really good moments. We had a couple of really good shows. Um, we actually recorded two songs at Dave Barbie's studio. One day, one of Danny's songs and one of Jerry's songs. I don't know if those, those will ever see the light of day or what, what happened to them. Uh, we also actually played a show at Athfest without Jerry as the Interstellar Boys in June of 2017. Um, but there's some recordings out there of those shows. We played, I don't know, 15 shows, 20 shows. Um, was definitely one of the most intense things I'd ever been a part of. Uh, tension, stress, uncertainty, uh, issues, but it led to some really cool music, uh, at times. Uh, it also led to a lot of, of stress for a lot of people. But, um, anyway, that was, it happened. Um... Yeah, no, and I, I remember because we started doing this in spring of 17, and Ted Rockwell came on, I don't remember when that was, maybe in the summer, and was like super excited about having yeah. seen you guys and and, and talking it up. So, um, yeah. so well, I mean, I guess, you know, that, because you've got, there's a lot of, you got a lot of, um, not front guys, but I mean, you obviously got two like front guys and you have a lot of songwriters. Yeah. And, and I, cause I looked at, I looked at maybe a couple of set lists and was like, it felt like you guys were trying to like rotate a little bit, like yeah. with the songs. It was that, I assume that was sort of a, you know, conscious decision on how yes. to, how to, how to work that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jerry definitely wanted to get his songs in at the most crucial moments of the show. I'm, I'm not lying, but yeah, that's, that's how he is. God bless okay. him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, okay. And so then you did, did you do some Todd and friends stuff like later? Uh, later in on? 2015, we did a, I can't remember. We did a bunch, of, I don't know, a bunch, 15 shows that it was basically that just the interstellar boys without Jerry. Mm. Um, and we, I really enjoyed some of that. We had some really good shows. We played one in Raleigh. I remember that was real good. A couple in Charleston, a couple in maybe one in Chattanooga. Uh, some of that's on archive. It's just billed as Todd Dance and Friends, but I really enjoyed that. I, I, Todd and I really locked in. I had a new song at that time called Gunner that mm. uh, that he got to be a part of, and he really had a, played some really cool stuff on that. And then he it was really cool to play some of my stuff uh, with him and him to, in, to add to it and, and do things to it that 
I'd always heard, but was never able to articulate. So, that, I mean, that's sort of going back to what you were talking about, how, you know, he would make sense out of, out of Mike's songs, right? Yeah. You're saying the same kind of thing. Yeah. Like just some of my songs, when I would get to a point where I'd be like, oh man, I want this to happen. It would just happen. No, it took us playing the songs five, six, seven, eight times, but then they would start to happen. And then, so I, I feel lucky to have, have had those moments with him. We had some really good, good times at that, at that juncture. It seemed like, um, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, that doesn't surprise me at all to hear you say that. Like, it feels like, um, like a Todd Nance kind of thing that like, it's just, it just clicks. Right. Yeah. It just, it, it ends up just working somehow. It did. And, uh, it, it, at times, not every time, but it, it did sometimes. Yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Um, okay. What, um, all right. So what else? Do we have anything else or do we have anything else to talk about? We're done. We're not allowed to talk about the socks. So that'll be, that'll be yeah, another time. No more and, sock, no sock talk. Um, um, is there any, anything like anything in the background that we need to know about? Like give us some inside baseball on the Sunday streams. I mean, obviously your wife is the technical, she, yes. she's making all that happen. right? Yes. Yes. Uh, I, I don't really have an acoustic guitar that's worth playing that was mm. going to sound good enough. So I just play my regular rig. I, I just do what I do. Sometimes do you, I think do you it, have it. Is your rig mic'd up or is it just going? No, into, just, just an iPhone, iPhone 11, four feet away, grabbing everything. So I try to sing loud and play good. And oh. <laughs> hopefully it translates. Um, I've watched back just a couple songs here and there to make sure it doesn't just sound terrible. Uh, usually it, at least you can discern what's going on. So I, I play solos and stuff with no real background. I did get a borrow a looping pedal from a friend so I could yeah, lay I down a you, little have, rhythm. Have you started doing that a little bit recently? A little bit. I, yeah. I don't feel super comfortable with it yet. Every now and then I'll get a good groove going and where I can, where I can feel like I can kind of let go over it. Like I'll play the diner chord changes, like the jam part of diner. I like doing that. That one seems to, to work out. Okay. And maybe like the end of Tennessee before daylight, I can loop the rhythm and play over it. But I don't know. I just, I don't feel super comfortable doing it, but I, I like to do it a couple times in in every, and it'll work a little bit, but it is what you know, it is. It's funny that I, uh, I try to tune in every week just to, I don't know okay. why, just, just, you know, just yeah. to, I, mean, I don't, I'm to be honest, Sam, I'm not sitting there watching the whole thing every time, but, it, but you know, I try I to at not. least make it, a, I try, <laughs> I try to make an appearance just, you know, just to see you how it's two going. Kids. I don't see how you can do anything. So, um, but it's, it's funny because I, you, it's funny you mentioned the acoustic thing. Cause I had mentioned that to you that like, yeah. you know, my wife was like, she wants to see you play an acoustic song, yeah. you know, like a like a Warren Haynes man ballad kind of thing. Yeah. And, and I, and I mentioned that to you and you were like, yeah, no, I don't really do that. And I was like, Oh, of course he doesn't. I mean, that's not, that's, that's not what he's going to do. Against but then, it. No, 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 no. And so, but I, I, there's a, I did a, like the punchline is we were sitting in, in the den, like two, like maybe last week watching. And I don't know which one it was. It was recently though. And uh-huh. it was, I don't, I don't think it was the Mike night, but it was like maybe the episode after that. And okay. You, it was like uh, it was a song from Sandbox, and okay. she was like, "She's like, who, who's that playing?" And I was like, oh, "That's that Sam Holt." She's like, "Huh, 
She's like, that sounds, sounds pretty good. It was just like, that's like ringing endorsement <laughs> for my wife. And then I was like, take it. yeah, no, you should. And so she, and then she, it was like, um, and I could tell that she like had sort of a, cause I think at first she was like, it kind of sounds like Mike, you know what I mean? Like, cause she yeah. knew the song that it was like Mike's song. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, well, I mean, that's like, that's Mike's rig. And she was, yeah. she was like, and then she's like, Oh, that's fucking badass. Like, okay. uh, you know, like, like that's like mad props that you're, you know, like, I don't know. It was like the, that was as good as, as my wife's going to give on like, you know, like, Oh, it's awesome that he's like paying respect and like making it, making that thing still sing basically. Okay. You know what I mean? They're like, yeah, she, she got what you were going for. I think is what okay. I was trying to get to. So hey, um, little, little victories. We'll take them. That's, that's more than I've gotten in the last six months. So I wanted <laughs> to make sure that I, 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 I don't know if you were getting out of your house. I just wanted to share it with you. Oh, at least no. My wife's very supportive. She's excited when I get to play. Now she will try to tell me what songs to play. And so I have to reconcile that with now, do I not want to do it just because she told me to do it or mm. should I do it? But because she wanted me to do it or do I really want to do it anyway? Does, does Hayden make requests? She likes cheeseburger. Oh, everybody likes cheeseburger. Yeah. I I wish I could license that thing to like friggin' Hardee's or something, man. <laughs> Which I don't know. I mean, you've got a marketing person. I think it's, yeah. I think it's a natural fit. I know. I'll change the lyrics. I don't care. Yeah. I need, um, I need the money. All right. Well, I want to get into that next week. So that's next what, week. They call, what they call in the biz a tease. A tease. Uh, on Teaser. The, on, on the check me out with the cheeseburger. We'll talk about check me out with the cheeseburger next time. Um, but not the socks, just the cheeseburger. That's correct. Um, what about the what about the Fox Brothers? I feel like that's part of the uniform too. Can you- it is part of the uniform because they have supported me forever. They yeah. when I when my hats finally go down, which happens uh-huh. every few years, uh-huh. when I run out of hats, that they have been they've been always there, taking all they can take. I call them or whatever, text them, DM them. Uh-huh. and say, hey, I'm ready for some more hats, and they'll send me like five hats. And they know what what kind of hats I like, and they know my size, and so I will represent Fox Brothers till I can't do it anymore. Love those guys. Um, how Have you talked to them since how, since how they're how they're hanging in with the, with the global pandemic? Uh, you know, I follow them on Instagram, which is pretty much the only social media that I do. Um, yeah which is powered by Facebook, but whatever lesser of two evils is still evil, but I'm I'm sucked in at this point. Uh, and they seem to be hanging in there. Um, I know that they're doing dine in. I know that they are requiring a mask and they say, if you do not have one, we will provide one for you. And if you, whatever, they're doing they're doing their deal. They, I, th- I believe they are good citizens. I believe uh, that they will make it through this. And I know they're doing a lot of takeout and catering some stuff. So much love to them. And if Those you live in Atlanta, really, yeah. If you live, if you in, live Atlanta, in Atlanta and you're listening to this, and go pick you up some. What's your what's your go to? I mean, I assume you have a go to order. At Man, I like it all. Really, if yeah. I I. Believe it or not, I love their collard greens. It's like the best collard greens I've ever had. Uh, I had a birthday party in January. My wife threw together where I played 
like it was at Smith's old bar and mm-hmm. it was kind of a surprise. I didn't even know about it till a couple of days before. And we had several people, we had a, you know, played a show with my, my buddies and, and, uh, they catered Fox brothers catered it. And I think I ate more, uh, collard greens, uh, collard greens than anything that night. Uh, but I love their wings. I love their briskets off the hook, everything pulled pork. I used to try to get them to make me a, what I wanted was uh, a pulled pork. Yeah, did, how come you did? Didn't you? I feel like you you could have earned. I mean, there's a Lopez. There's. I mean, why, why can't there Whoa. be a, a Sam Holt something? I think um, we should start a movement. But here's here's was my here's what I wanted them to change. Change.org petition. Where we yes. get that going. If it was going to be something named after me, I would want it to be a pulled pork sandwich with mostly the bark, the outside mm-hmm. part of the, mm-hmm. the of the butt with slaw. That's what I would want. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think we, we need to workshop that. I mean, it's, okay. it's, it's Sam Holt, Sammy with slaw or something. Yeah. I think I could get it. Yeah. Hey, I will tell you this. We played uh, out the band I used to be in, Outformation. Mm-hmm. Uh, we played a gig at this place called Cactus Jacks in Evergreen, Colorado. We played there several times, but I believe the last time we played there, they had an outformation burger on the menu. And so Ooh. I was very, very happy and, and felt like I had something I had done something right in my career. That's yeah. That's quite a goal. Now, speaking of, uh, of restaurants or watering holes in Colorado, I always, do, do you know the story of the, of the moon time bar and grill? Like what I did? I mean, I did Mike just make that up or was that, I mean, I knew that was a thing in Netherlands. Was that after? I mean, that that wasn't pre-Port Song, right? I assume that that just came from Mike's head, and any Moontime Bar and Grill after that was a result of the Port Song. Yes, taken from Port Song. Now I can't be a hundred percent sure, but that's what I think. Yeah, I think that's probably the most likely. I just didn't know if you had any any deets on that. No. Um. Okay. The other thing that while we're talking about like your uniform, um, maybe this needs to be a separate episode, but like getting in, getting into home team, like, is that uh-huh. something, I mean, what, what do you feel like? Do you think, is that like, can you do that in a few minutes or do we need to set aside some time? If we really want to get into it, then I need to have the manifesto in front of me and I can mm. read, read from that. And that, okay. that will explain things much better than I ever could. Yeah, that's that's probably necessary. So, are you familiar or aware of the of the actual I, manifesto? I, I, I yes, I don't think I okay. could put my hands on it right now. I've certainly yes. seen it before, but, but I, I, yeah. can, I can get it. I can yeah. get it, and mm-hmm. and if we want to go over that, we can. Okay, I might Another be good to, to do that with the with the other conversations. Okay. So, um, all right. So then you picked out some stuff for us to play uh, to play out some actual widespread panic. So this is yes. what you get for, for sitting through 45 minutes of Jerry Joseph and friends is you yes. get some, uh, early nineties panic because that's what, to be honest, that's what you come to the bluest tape, Sam Holt episodes for. Um, and so the first part is from the second ever, Jojo Herman Watchword Panic Show. Is that right? Yeah, I believe it's the second official. I think they did yeah. one show, you know. That was like maybe a tryout the, kind of thing. Yeah, like the week before that was Was that really? I mean, was that really like, I feel like that's what it says on the, uh, 
Like they bill it as JoJo's audition. I mean, do you, do you it, no. have, okay, he, all right. He wasn't an audition. I mean, he was in the band at that point. Right. They just wanted to okay. play a gig with him, you know, with yeah. no pressure. All right, okay. I think it was uh, called the Pintos or something like that. The Pintos, formerly the Corn Bobbers. That's it. <laughs> um, so, I think there's uh, a quarter tank from that that is on YouTube that is off the charts. Yeah, I mean, I think most of that show is is on YouTube. Okay. I feel like I've seen um I highly recommend the quarter tank. If I remember correctly, Mike's way over to the side and he is he is he is downstroking those that that A chord. If you I don't want to get too technical, but check that out and it is intense. I believe Todd might even be playing a bucket during it. There's it's really yeah, it crazy. Show, so. Yeah. Um well, yeah, so uh I mean do you have anything it was had you seen other like rock drummers play the bucket before the five gallon bucket? Never. I've never seen anyone else do that. <laughs> the bucket and the shaker. I mean, uh, where, what do you think was the Genesis for, that was maybe just what was there. That Man, I wish I'd have asked him that the people that would know that are probably not with us anymore, which would be Gary yeah. Vereen or mm-hmm. Todd. Yeah. Maybe Sonny, Sonny would probably know. I could ask him. I don't know if it was something Todd had already like had done before or they, mm-hmm. We're just about to go do like a radio gig or something, but man, he made it work so good. He would, he would, he would almost use it like a, like a kick and a snare and then have the shaker as like a hi-hat and he could, the way he could hit the, hit the side of it. And then the center of it, he had duct tape over the little, on the bottom, like in the very center. And it would almost sound, it was, he was so good at that. It was, the guy was immensely talented. Um, and I, I don't know why I'm going to start talking about this, but him and Mike both both grew up in Chattanooga um, and I'm from Chattanooga and I was just always so proud of that and, and just love that. There's a, I have this song called 90 mm-hmm. and it's basically it was written right after Mike died and uh, me and the affirmation guys wrote it together, but I, I wrote most of the lyrics and there's a line in it that says when Tennessee turned the corner, I couldn't feel it any stronger. And that was basically, that's basically talking about Mike and Todd when they would connect in one of those huge jams and just take mm-hmm. it out and then turn that corner. And it would just, you know, give me, give me goosebumps, a feeling that would make me want to come back over and over again. I, I mean, I always felt like that was, uh, you know, when you would catch it on, on a video shot from like, from school side of the stage where you'd see Mike, like look up and smile, like when those kind yeah. of happened. And I mean, I, it, I feel like he was always looking at Todd, <laughs> but I mean, it, it's hard to tell, right. It just sort of, yeah. it just seems like it's like whatever it was, it just sort of tickled his fancy about whatever the moment was that was. Presenting I think, it, I think, yeah, I would agree with that a lot of times. And then if it was like ever like what's about to happen, Hey, we're about to go here or what are you going to do that? They mm-hmm. would, he would just kind of look up mm-hmm. and, look back at Todd too. Yeah. Um, okay. So the first thing we have is from the, uh, second official show. There was a two night run. Uh, both of those shows are worth listening to three thirteen ninety two and three fourteen ninety two. Um, the, we're going to play something from the encore of the second night. And, uh, the second night also, uh, the, was the, the return of please, uh, from a 520 show absence, 6188, and it comes back okay. on 31492. And All right. 
I would think, and I mean, this is not to get too deep into the to the panic nerdum here, but um, I mean, so Mike used to sing, please, right? And so I believe I've heard heard a recording of him singing it. Yes, and um, so I almost wonder, uh, you know, I might have, have to go deep in the archives to check this out, but like this might have been the first version that that JB sang. This ninety-two. I would think that's. I would think that is correct. Um, and also uh, the the reemergence of uh, disco and dog song, which come right before this this uh, this chilly water that we're going to play. Um, the first uh, disco in a little over a year, and the first dog song in a little over a year. And um, dog song would look a little bit different because I know you're p- more partial to the pre, the uh, the early the punk rock dog song. Yes, I am. I can appreciate the the remix of the dog song in '92, but my heart lies with the 90, 1990 version. I feel like in in some ways it's interesting that it's right next to disco because it feels a little bit more like a like yeah. a late '70s dead disco shuffle kind of song. Yeah, it you definitely like, has that has that feel. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, I wonder if do you think was that a how long was T. Lavitz playing? Like, do you think he ever played with? On disco or dog song, if he, no, if, if I that don't was think like so. January '91 was the last time they had been played. So yeah, I don't think so. Huh, that's interesting. I don't know if it was a conscious decision or what, or mm-hmm. just He's like I'm not playing out. that fucking shit. Yeah, <laughs> it's possible. It was possible, unlikely but possible. Right. Um, so the first thing is the is the chili water from that show three fourteen ninety two, and then the second thing is. And it, it, it makes my heart warm that you picked out this uh, this Red Mile 94 because uh, it was totally unprompted that you did that. And it was like, you're like, had you ever heard that show? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I okay. heard that show. Yeah, I um, should have put two and two together that you live in Lexington. It's a great, uh, it was a great, I feel like that tape was circulated a little bit too. Like that was one that way sure. back in the day people had. It yeah. sounded so good. Um uh, first rebirth with lyrics was this uh was this show so right after uh major league baseball canceled the uh 1994 postseason oh, so this Lord. is uh october braves, 2nd 1994 the braves were on fire too that yeah, year they, they, they probably had the best team in baseball yeah maddox was was unreal that year they I, I don't know if they were had taken over first place by that point but they were definitely headed that way and uh, and the and the the Freddie Jones band opened up. Freddie Jones band, yes, they did like almost I think the whole fall '94 tour with them. Uh-huh. Yeah, and um and played more shows. I feel like in '95 too, maybe that was uh, that was you know Capricorn Records, you know, yeah. uh, thing. Did you ever have any interactions with any of those guys? No. I saw him a bunch because I saw him open for Panic. But I saw Panic a lot that tour. Um, I'm trying to remember the percussion player drummer was named Simon Horrocks, H O R R O C K S, I believe. And I ran into him. I can't remember as Out Formation was playing somewhere, and he was like a, a manager for a band. And somehow we got introduced, and so obviously I went, "Oh God, Fall '94, Freddie Jones band," <laughs> and he was probably like, "Oh my God!" But anyway, he right. was he was a manager for a band when, that we played with. I I think that was how we we ended up talking one time. 
Yeah. It was interesting to see the, I think it was one of the first of like the super deep archive uh, Sunday streams was from Tempe, Arizona in yes. 1994 and, and Marty Lloyd uh, made his, made a performance, which was kind of funny. And that, I don't know if you got to see any of that set. I, that was I an- saw the, I saw the beginning and I didn't see any of that, but I saw the, Go ahead. I'm sorry. JB. Oh no! It's like JB came out like a prize fighter with a towel around his neck and yes, the, and I the saw toboggan that. cap. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I bet it was cold and obviously, and I love the way the mix sounded on that. Mike was on top and just I watched the fish water and I was going, oh yeah, baby, mm-hmm. oh yeah. Um, we're gonna we're gonna play. I think some more. 92 next time but yes we're gonna hear we're gonna hear some 92 and um i feel like that was the year of the of the wawa for 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 mike is that spring I, spring, spring especially okay. yeah mike was really using that thing a lot i love the way that thing sounded love that tone it, from it's him. it's so interesting like because i forget what which what i was let me look i think it was the uh well, I don't want to give it away, but it's one of the songs we're playing next week. And it was okay. like, it was coming up to a signature lick and it sounded just like 180 degrees different because it, okay. it, it didn't have that sort of like, um, I don't know, the description of like how in the later years he played it like so carefully. And uh-huh. like when the Wawa, it's just sudden, there's no, there's no, yeah. it's like, a, it's like a blunt instrument. You know what I mean? <laughs> when he plays it that way, okay. which is great. It has its place, but it just was. Yeah. So. Um, all right. So we've got, uh, the, uh, the chili water from the encore of three fourteen ninety two, And then the second set closer from the red mile, which, um, it just, it, it made me happy to hear. Cause that was, it's always been one of my favorite versions of love cool. tractor from this, because it's just, if you can imagine it, you, cause you were at the, you were at the show, right? So you, yes. um, so you're in, they called it the paddock, but it, I guess it was the paddock, but it's at a, it's a harness racing track. Uh, so it means a horse racing track, but it's not like thoroughbred. Um, and you're right. Just basically it was the space. It wasn't in the infield. So it was no. like the out, outside of the rail. So they have the yes. grandstand and then sort of, you know, next to the grandstand was just sort of this green space that was yes. between the rail and like the outer fence of the property. And um, so the band was sta- standing on the stage, looking out basically over the entire racetrack from the court, like basically from the first turn of the racetrack. And they were getting so into, I just, I don't know. It, it just, it, I picked it I, so much fun. I picked this. Yes. I picked this love tractor because I remember it just in, in the recording reflects it. I remember just, they were just, everybody was just having a blast, man. They were just riding that wave. Everyone was happy and smiling. Todd is playing his ass off as they all are. And it's like, it's like, it's, it's like taking a ride in an amusement park. I swear. It's just, just lose yourself in it. And you will feel, you will feel that energy and that flow and that motion. And it is, they are having so much fun. You'll hear JB and Dave, like, you know, do the ya-yas and all this and like, just, yeah, just going nuts. And then, I picked the chili because it is one of the sickest chilies that I've ever heard. Now I wasn't at this show, but my buddies went and taped it. And, uh, when they, I had some, I was probably had a test or something that I couldn't miss. Inconsequential. Inconsequential was shot of gone. And 
when they got back, they were like, you have to hear the tapes, you have to hear the tapes. And so literally the next day I'm at their house with my cassette deck recording the tapes. We had just gotten DAT machines at that point, uh, like six months before that. And that was a, a digital way of recording back then that cassettes would lose, you know, their audio fidelity as you dub them and the generations got higher, but DATs did not lose their, lose their, uh, quality as you recorded them, uh, as you dubbed them or made copies anyway. So, so were those like, a, so really was, good. That, was that a, a D eight or was that like pre, was that like a, a we had me like and my buddy Rick, version, like a, a D eight something. Or... They were portable. They, we had these, okay. we each got one, my, me and my buddy, uh, Ricky Supan, who was a big taper back then. We got these Cassie, they were Casio DA seven digital mm. audio tape machines mm-hmm. and we had to because the battery life was so limited mm-hmm. it would only last like an hour we so run on double a's or did you it, it ran on its own like night right, rechargeable yeah. batteries so you're kind of screwed yeah <laughs> uh you could get a spare one but still they weren't if the band played more than two hours you're kind mm-hmm. of screwed anyway so we we figured out how to build these uh we went to some External, electronic store yeah. and asked the guy how do we could so we basically hollowed out the battery chassis that came with it and connected a bigger battery to it and so we could run it like eight hours without a charge and uh anyway so they they came back and we're like oh the show was sick you got to hear this and then so i remember like listening to it and it did not disappoint and Anyone that was there, I think, would be able to attest to this. One of the the chili goes very deep and very very sick, and I I think you will enjoy it. All right, awesome. Well, um, Sam, as always, appreciate your time, and um, everybody, continue to check out the uh, the Sunday night streams at five thirty on uh, on Sam's Facebook page, which he doesn't ever go to, but um, but you should. If you're on I will, Facebook, I do look at the comments while the stream's yeah. going. That's so it. So, could do people make uh, make requests? And I usually, yeah. okay. If I know it, I I play it usually. How, how do you go? What's your what's your 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 preparation level? Do you like pencil in some stuff and then? Yeah, I'll try to look at like the last couple weeks at least. Yeah, what you're, I wrote you're, down. Not, you're not gonna. Yeah, you're like three three show gaps or what's your what's your mm, rotation? Um, maybe two. <laughs> Um, I'm just, I'm kidding. Yeah. I definitely repeat, you know, I, I throw a few originals in there. I throw a few sandboxes in there. I throw a few panics in there. I throw maybe a Marshall Tucker in here or there. Uh, I played a couple of dead songs. Uh, played a Willie Nelson song. Anyway, yeah. it's fun. Yeah. It's so I, I definitely look forward to it. I have, I have fun with it. Yeah, so tune in and check it out, and um, you know, it's something to do before you get started with the. If you're watching the Panic Stream um, on Sunday night, which is as we record this, is that the New Year's one or are I they think doing? So. Okay, I think so. There's, yeah, that's the last one, and I don't think is they've it... announced anything in September yet, right? That's the that yeah, was that's the last, the last of thing the I five. saw. Mm-hmm. Um, is it the is it actual New Year's twelve thirty one? I think it is. So if you want to talk about like. Yeah, I mean, I assume they they uh, they held out on the that Tempe show. They dropped the encore, which was a total bummer because that was um, I forget what the encore was, but it was like really nice. And let's see, 
that probably was the, disco the v- disco proving ground encore so oh, okay. that was sad yeah. sad to miss that but probably the vhs um, ran out yeah yeah and uh so yeah that new year's one is a beck chestnut first set okay so uh talk about um you know potentially uh and that was like that was a Maybe as as big as they were ever, not ever were, but maybe. Mm. I mean, mm. New Year's Day one, they did three nights at Phillips. I probably all sold out. Yeah. Very exciting time. Very exciting time. I feel so lucky to have been there and and be there for that stuff. And then, God, a few months later, it was like very, very different. Yeah. Um. So it was cool that they were able to have. Uh, have Vic up there for that. Yeah. Uh, in sort of last run. And, um, yeah. So, yeah. So I'm looking forward to play. They have all that. That'll be cool to see. I and, hope so. Uh, hope I would hope they, you know, it's like that 99, uh, Oak mountain, you know, they, a static shot for a long time. And it, it seemed like the Raleigh one that there was some heightened concern. There was more cameras. There was, it seemed like whoever was directing it was engaged and realized maybe there's something going on here. We want to capture. Mm. Uh, so hopefully the new year's Oh one has that as well. Yeah. I feel like there's some, there's some stuff on YouTube from that of like, maybe like videotape of the jumbotron. Okay. So, uh, and I think I recall like, you know, it looking pretty decent. So hopefully the, the actual source will be, yeah um okay cool well i just want to say rest in peace todd i miss you man i i love you so much and and i take i take some comfort in knowing that that you're you're with mike now and and Mm. you guys can be together and, and and have your peace together and i'll see you soon see you someday soon i'm sure yeah. somewhere out there i love um I appreciate you saying that. I love that there's an interview from, was it the Live at the Oak Mountain DVD where it's like the two of them talking together? Yes. About, about like when they were kids and like yeah. tying the tying the phone to their heads or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it's so yeah. awesome. It just yeah. like puts a smile on my face thinking about it. Yeah, man. They were, they were, they were very special. There, you think there are any, there are any like, you know, uh, four track tapes like way back when of those guys? In the in a closet somewhere, I I doubt it, but stranger things have happened. Cool. Yeah. Um. All right. Well. Uh. So we'll play out with this with these tunes, and then uh, and we'll we'll come back and and dig a little bit deeper. We're gonna talk about uh, about uh, check me out with cheeseburger and and home team, and uh, we'll play some, some some sick panic from the early nineties yeah. too. <laughs> Exactly. All right, Sam. Thanks for the time, man. You got it.
Osiris. I mean, I know what happened. You what happened, You get it all the time, but I don't know that I've ever been alone in my own house without the rest of my family. Yeah. And, what do you think? Uh, about, and what do you think about it? I think I think you know. I think you know what I think. About. <laughs> it's pretty okay. <laughs> So yeah, so they got on the road this morning. So I suppose, I suppose the kid, the kids have virtual school, right? Uh, yes. Yeah, the older one does. The younger one does not start. We've decided to to skip virtual kindergarten. He's taking a uh, he's taking a gap year this year. So. <laughs> a gap year. He's gonna go to he's gonna do some traveling, do some traveling volunteer yeah. Habitat for Humanity. You know that kind of thing. They, I will, so I'm going to go, I'm going to join them in uh, a week and a half. Okay. And then I'll stay up there, I don't know, no longer than a month. Um, oh, wow. We'll, you know, we'll see. Uh, I mean, I need to, I have to be back here for work by like mid-October, so. Oh, wow. um, <clears throat> You're going to be you gone know, for, uh, you got a house sitter? Um, not yet, but yeah, no, I mean, I have some, you know, yeah, family. have some neighbor, neighbor friends that yeah. I think would be willing to stop by. So, uh, no living things except fish. So, yeah. Bad. Um, so yeah, so we'll see how that goes. Well, it would be nice to spend the fall, early fall, at least in the Northeast. Yeah, and I have. I bought tickets to a live music event. What? We're going to go see Warren Haynes and Danny Lewis. I was going to guess yeah, if, if that it's about was an it. Hour. Yeah, it's about an hour from her house, which is like nice. everything up there. It's about an hour away. And um, <laughs> yeah, it looks pretty cool. It's like you get a, you get an 8 by 8 spot for two people. Yeah. And then there's like a 12 by 8 spot in between every 8 by 8 spot. So okay, so pretty good amount of space, and um, yeah, so we'll see. See Warren do some man ballads. Oh, I have so many man ballads. It's gonna be a sick patchwork quilt, bro. I think uh, Rachel will enjoy that. I I'm like sure that I too. Yeah, yeah. Well, enjoy your your alone time. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a little it's a little weird. I never. I've never lived by myself um, oh, okay. ever. So, um, except like a month in the dorms. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think I can get used to it. I mean, it's definitely nice. I mean, it was kind of a disaster here when they left just cause you know, trying to get everything together. And so I spent a decent amount of today, like cleaning up and picking up. And then now I know nobody else is going to fuck it up. Except me. <laughs> so now I'm kind of motivated to do some more of that. Um, yes. So I'll probably spend a little bit or most of tomorrow doing doing that kind of stuff, and um, yeah, and then I'll just have a week and a half of like living in a really nice, organized, clean house for the first time in oh seven and a half years. So. Um. So one of the things that people ask me when they're away is well i bet you listen to your records or i bet you play i mean now you can play your music as loud as you want mm -hmm. like yeah but you know what i actually do i just sit in silence 
Jones. <laughs> you know, I actually found myself doing that a couple times today. And it was like, it was almost, uh, it was shocking to the soul. I was like, wow, this is just quiet. Yeah. Oh, I just had a mosquito. Um, yeah. So that's cool. I mean, I, I listen to <laughs> music, you know, I listen to music here while I was by myself, but I, I feel like I must listen to less because I don't need to <laughs> escape, <laughs> escape from, from, the other things to hear in the house. So, anyway, I love my family dearly. I really do. And I'm sure that I will miss them probably starting tomorrow. So uh, I'm just, I'm just oh, saying all these things to make yes, myself feel better. Yes, exactly. You're not going to miss them tomorrow. I'll get Wednesday, maybe. Wednesday. Um, but, I, but I am actually sitting in... In like the main part of the house because <laughs> I, I, you I can. can I can so um, so that's something different so yeah. it might sound a little different here because I'm uh, I'm out in the open instead of in my little little hole I think uh, yeah I think when I, we did one when I was when Jen and them were gone I did it in a different part of the house too so. Yep, that's that's what freedom is. You can do your pod wherever you want. 